podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Thursday's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am Craig Fowler, and on this occasion, I am joined once again by Joel Sked. Hello. And we are going to move on to the next in our list of top 12 countdowns of the best players at a specific position in the top flight right now. And now we're on to attacking midfielders. So if you listened to the last episode, you know that we've changed up a little bit this year. We, instead of splitting it into central midfielders and wide players, we've changed it into defensive slash central midfielders and then attacking midfielders. So this is the attacking midfielders. Before we get to the list, we should probably get to guys who we've not selected on the basis of what we've kind of termed them as because we're also changing. So before we used to have uh, forwards, we would call them strikers. So we'd say the best strikers right now. So we've changed that name to forwards. So we can kind of fit in a few more guys that you can maybe you can debate whether they're midfielders or forwards kind of thing. So we've gotten those. So for oh, instance, yeah, or wingers. So for instance, there's not going to be any Mohamed El Yunusi in this list. There's not going to be any Glenn Middleton in this list. I don't know if we make it anyway, but he's an example. Uh, and uh, one that we just decided on at the very last minute, and the, probably the hardest one to call. Uh, there's going to be no Martin Boyle on this list. The way I could have looked at it, Joe, and I don't know whether you were the same, because you can maybe say that Ryan Kent is a forward uh, because he always plays in a front three for Rangers. He plays fairly centrally. He doesn't play as a winger. He gets called a winger at times, but he doesn't really play as one. But for me, it was kind of a case of, right, can this guy and has this guy played through the central positions like a number nine? And Martin Boyle has, El Yunusi has, Ryan Kent has like, yeah, that's that's a fair way to fair way to assess it because I mean the, the three of them, no, they're not assessed, not identical, but there are similarities in position yeah. and the way they play. But yeah, I think um, I think the, the, the fact is that Maboyle, he's and Ellie Nussi as well. They have played a striker quite regularly recently. Yes, yes, right. Let's get to the oh, also as well. I've limited myself to three players per team. Oh, I uh, I did not do that. All right, yeah. So, I'd, so I've uh, there's a couple of Rangers players I've disregarded. Uh, I've also thought as well, uh, Scott Arfield. We should have Scott Arfield in central midfielders. We should have first. I've uh, so Adam Adam Thornton uh, Thornton, the uh, Rangers fan. He. Um, he came back and said Arfield is, is a midfielder uh, yeah I've included him in my attacking midfielder I, I mean there's uh, I'll, I'll just stick with my list uh, I've got so I've got a lot of Rangers players there I've got a lot of Rangers <laughs> players there one of them one of them I have so uh, one of them I've chosen but not for his Rangers performances so that's obvious it's going to be Scott Wright yeah uh, I didn't I didn't choose Scott Wright uh, so I, I've, I've chosen him more because of his Aberdeen Aberdeen performances and uh, which we'll come on to talk about but I, I think a lot of the probably the players that you have included that I've maybe missed out uh, 
I would have probably included them if we if I did limit myself, limit myself. But uh, we'll see. And if there's not if a couple of players that I did look to speak about but just didn't make the cut, we can chat about them at the end. Yeah, right. Let's get on to. I'm changing my mind again because I had I did have originally Martin Boyle in my twelfth. I've, I've had to change this quite late, so I've, I've picked a player and now I've gone back at it. I've picked somebody else. Uh, right, so my number twelve. Uh, I've gone for, and I reckon he would be a lot higher up this list uh, if he kind of had a better season. And I'll get into reasons why he's not. Uh, but I've gone at number twelve. I'm going for Hibbs, uh, Jamie Murphy. He did not even come into consideration for me. <laughs> well, he bloody should have, Joel. He bloody should have. Uh, Jamie Murphy is. Jamie Murphy still got a lot of a lot of really good qualities as a t- an attacking midfielder in the Scottish Premiership. And I think that I don't doubt. Uh, I think the reason I think the reason why I wanted to have him in here is that he's a more interesting case to, to be than, than maybe somebody else. And and it's to do with the fact that he basically he's, he's good, still really good at everything. He, he's he crosses the ball quite frequently. He's a fairly accurate crosser when he does it. He's good at running with the ball, both in terms of beating people and just kind of dragging the ball up the park. He's good at creating chances. Uh, he's good. Uh, he, he plays a number of through balls. He really doesn't give the ball away too often. Uh, the only really thing he's not very good at, and I think we saw this in the staying fit. Well, staying fit. Uh, also in the the League Cup semi against St Johnson, he's finishing. Maybe sometimes leaves a little bit to be desired. Uh, certainly in terms of his kind of how you know how much of his, his shots are on target. But I reckon. Fitness was a bit of an issue this year, but also as well that, especially after the signing of Jack- Jackson Irvin, I don't think he really fits into this Hibs team. Uh, and, and and I'm not sure he's entirely fitted into it a lot this season. I think the best place to have Jamie Murphy is on the left of a front three. And he's not really been given... Hibs don't really play that. I don't think I really remember him playing a 4-3-3 at all this season, or even a 3-4-3. I think they've maybe only done that once or twice. Yeah, I agree. So, I, think, I just I just think he's in a bad situation, but still a very good player. Weirdly, I just I think he would have been a great squad player for Rangers. Yeah, I was kind of surprised why they were so happy to get to just let him go. Yeah, I, I really so with with Murphy, I really like him. I really I rate him. I really like him. He's, he's one of those players who I think is easy on the eyes. He, he's really just kind of nice to watch. I would like to would like to see him put up uh, put up more numbers. In terms of just, just simple goals and assists, and I, I don't think it's quite he's quite reached that hips, mainly because the issues we've talked about is the lack of consistency in the in the team and in terms of financial position and lack of consistency when he is when he's fit because he is he's one of those players who can go both ways. I know he's predominantly right footed, but he is he's a player who comes up against a fullback, and it must be a fucking nightmare for for a fullback. For example, with Boyle, if you are playing against him out in the wide, you just know right, okay, he's going to go down uh, down the wing, down my outside. Well, maybe he's he's probably got more to his arsenal now, but just this is a simplistic point. He's going to go down my outside, and it's just a case of having to deal with that pace whereas Murphy of course doesn't have that pace but he's just got that um, he's got the drop of the shoulder he's kind of just got that half yard up there where he can just move the ball very quickly and he can go either way which is uh, which is always a nightmare for for a defender so yeah I can see why he's uh, he's in your list but no uh, he is it's probably lacking consistency both game time and um, 
and position wise just uh, just didn't warrant a place on my top 12 considering the amount of players I had to leave off I mean he's only started uh, he's only started 13 league games fair enough right who's your number 12 then my number 12 is Chris Burke I, I have him on the list just a little bit higher I think I actually, you know, uh, it was it was one of those where you're you're going through all the players from the from the teams and just putting together your long list and you're th- uh, thinking, come on, like I was bypassing, but no, uh, it was wasn't until I was uh, looking more into it and Bark again is uh is a player who doesn't look and doesn't play like he is. Is he thirty seven now? <laughs> Some ridiculous, yeah, thirty seven now. And, the, the biggest the, the biggest thing for uh, Chris Park uh, for me is not like the, the fact that he's still performing yet at 37 years of age it's, it's the fact that he can do just a little bit of everything yes. uh, he's, a, he's a real a real talisman for for Kamara can you, you talk about Kyle Kyle Lafferty coming in and steering them away from the automatic relegation and it looks like there's probably still going to be a playoff but if it wasn't for Chris Burke by the time Lafferty came in Kelly could have already been cut adrift and have been really struggling to uh, struggle to survive, just because he's league wise eight goals and, and three assists, and he is just he, he does put up the numbers in terms of getting shots, uh, getting shots away, uh, creating chances, dribbles, crosses. He is the all round attacking midfielder that we are talking about on this list, and yeah. despite. Despite how poor Kelly have been, so I think he has maybe not um, the best season just because of those around him. But he's just he still had a very productive season, and again, he probably could warrant a um, be further up. But I just I just think there are um, there's good quality above him. I've got, I've got I've actually got him in the top ten, so I'll I'll speak about him when I come to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, Which my, is, uh, if I limited myself to uh, limited myself to three players from Rangers instead of about seventy three, uh, he would have uh, he would have reached the top ten. Uh, my number eleven is St Johnson's David Wotherspoon. I have him at uh, I've I'm, I've I've him very close. So I have him at number ten. So I'm happy right, to speak cool. about, about him now. Uh, yeah, Wotherspoon is uh, somebody that <clears throat> somebody that I've always always kind of rooted for. Uh, somebody mm. that I've always enjoyed playing. Uh, somebody who I've always kind of thought was always enjoyed playing, always enjoyed watching, watching. playing. Okay. Sorry, uh, well, yeah, always enjoyed him playing. That's yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> always enjoyed him playing football. I enjoyed the, 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 the way he said it. I always it could go down. You enjoy playing against him, or are you playing him on a uh, computer game? I think uh, against any Scottish footballer, I would not enjoy playing against them. Even even <laughs> no. even jobbers in the league too. I would would hate it. It'd be horrible. We absolutely ripped the fuck out of. No, there's one player, well, sorry, one ex SPFL player who you enjoy playing against, just because he would be good for your self esteem, and that's Mister Joel Pereira. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> forty goals on score that season. <laughs> uh, yeah, David Wotherspoon, somebody that's always been a kind of very creative player, and uh, somebody who's. versatility as well. Somebody who I think for a lot of his career was seen his natural position as a number eight, but I think. I think he's kind of developed into a more kind of better player, somebody who's either at the left of a four or as he's played this season, I think he's had a really good campaign on on the left of a, of a front three or, or playing as a number 10 behind two strikers. He's, I think we talk about consistency, that's something that maybe marks Wallerspin down, is that, I mean, we're talking about attacking midfielders, consistency is going to be a word that maybe comes up quite a lot, but I think especially him, uh, he just... 
he's really, I don't think Wellerspin really goes through, well, maybe early in his career, but I think this season he just kind of has games where he just doesn't seem to be on it, but there's he'll be fine the next week and they would have played well the week after. He just seems to be kind of developed at one of those guys. It's a bit more mercurial, uh, but at the same time, he's still, that's a word I would hesitate to use because he does a lot of kind of good work off the ball. He's considered how far well he plays forward. He, he does does a great job at winning the ball back for his team. Uh, I had him uh, ranking fourth for recoveries out of all the, the players I looked at. And considering a lot of those guys are going to be kind of like Celtic and Rangers players who are, you know, pressuring the opposition high up the park. Uh, and also guys who kind of play a wee bit further back a lot this campaign. So, you know, so for instance, like if, if Ross Callahan was to be in your list, he's got high for recoveries, but he's played quite a lot in the centre of the park. He's not always been a number 10, but as well as been pretty much for this entire campaign, it's played in, in, in some fashion in a number 10 role. So to do that is quite impressive. He also gets fouled quite a lot and, and then he, often takes the set pieces himself. It's quite a good, good trick to have. There were some other things about him. His goal threat has seemed to have really dried up this season. I think he might only have one or two. Uh, his shooting's been terrible. <laughs> his, his crossing's not been too good this season as well. He's kind of taken a dip in a number of things that are, are in past we'd have thought that David Wallace was quite good at, and I'm sure he has ranked quite good at, but he still managed to have a really good season. And I still think he deserves to be in the list. So yeah, my number 11. Yeah, he was always he was always going to be on my list. He's one of my I tweeted tweeted about his son on Sunday when watching the St uh, St Johnston semi final. I just never thought, partly because of his uh, hips passing, just partly because he I think he's he's been a target of some boo boys from St Johnston, and he talked about a lot lack of consistency. He just never it was never a player that I thought I would get round to openly admitting that I really enjoy watching, but I do, he's just so easy on the eye. Love the love the spaces he picks up, especially on the kind of the half space on the left-hand side. So just behind the midfield, in between the full-back and centre-back. St. Johnston, I think, have been a, a big threat down the left-hand side. He's built partnerships with, well, it's Boofer Tanzer. Uh, they are a good relationship. And then uh, you've got kind of Chris Kane stretching play, whether it's Melamed that plays, May that play, uh, plays, his trick of being able to chop, uh, kind of fade to go one way, cut back inside, chop a defender. It's, it's really, really good. You, you mentioned about consistency. I kind of want to talk about that. Actually, my, my concern with Wotherspoon is inconsistency is not so much his consistency from game to game. It's actually within a game. I think he can go through spells where he's, he's, he's literally, well, not literally, he's, he's in control of that game, but it doesn't last for as long as other players on this pitch are. Um, it shoots for his quality. I remember was it Hamilton early on in the season, quite early in the first half of the season, I think it was. He put in this, this first half performance was absolutely incredible. It was at New Douglas and then barely seen him after halftime. And I, I think he does have that that tendency to kind of just just drift out or drop out of games. Whether that's um, just he's he's, he's targeted more, or the St John's kids can't get the ball to him. But he um, he, he doesn't dominate games for uh, as as long spells. Yeah, I think that's that's probably fair as well. Right, moving on to so my that'll be my my eleven. Uh, Wallerspoon was my ten. Yeah, so moving on to your number eleven. Number 11, I was, I was kind of weighing up. He probably should be my 12. I was weighing up whether to include him, and that was Scott Wright. 
Uh, he's again, he is someone who I've probably included just because I enjoy watching him. I uh, really enjoyed watching him for Aberdeen earlier this season. Really enjoyed, I think, no, um, it was no surprise that Aberdeen were at their best when both him and Hedges were playing. I really enjoyed when, well, it was Hedges playing on, uh, off the right or, or the both of them as a kind of uh, dual tens behind behind a striker, behind, uh, behind Cosgrove. I think they created a real nice balance. And Scott Wright is, is someone who I just really enjoy midfielder who will pick up balls centrally and dribble. He'll do that. He'll look to pass. He'll create chances. And he can, can understand why Steven Gerrard, you know, obviously he's a domestic player, so that helps yeah, European-wise. But you can see why he would like him to play in the, the system that he plays. He's got Rangers. He's he's someone who they've signed, obviously, in January to kind of integrate him going forward into the, into the next season. But I think he's had a positive uh, enough impression. He's made a positive enough impression on Rangers fans to. I think that he could actually do something, maybe do something a bit more than than, than Greg Greg Stewart. I hope he doesn't go the same way Greg Stewart is that it's like Stewart and Wright. You want to see these players week on week in, week out in Scotland in uh, Scotland. but Wright is and for his his Aberdeen performances where they were um at, at kind of at times thrilling. And again, he's similar to Wellerspin. He's just the type of player you, when you uh, watch a game. You know I mean Aberdeen mostly are hard to watch, certainly under under McInnes. He made them at least interesting and fun to watch. Which is no, no small feat. So I, I don't have right. Would I have had them whether I didn't have a limit of three players from each club? Eh, maybe, but I'm not too sure. It is still just as great as he was to watch earlier season. I've been, I've always really enjoyed watching Scott Wright, even in the days when he was like, you know, just coming off the bench for Aberdeen or playing for Dundee. I, I think I know what you're about to say, and I'll admit he should do more. No, no, I mean like. Um, I've always enjoyed watching him, but no, what I'm going to say is that I just think because he was good for Aberdeen from like late August to January and also missed about a month or so through injury for the kind of the the, the battle to make this top 12, that's just not kind of big enough for me because he, for about two years, two or three years before then, he's kind of looked upon somebody who you kind of thought would end up playing for Air United, <laughs> uh, or Queen of the South, or something for, for most of his career, uh, and he's really, really kind of turned himself into uh, like a, a marquee kind of player this season. And since going to Rangers, had some opportunities, but not too much, and not enough to really kind of keep him in the top twelve for me. He's uh, started one more game than Jamie Murphy. Uh, but Jamie Murphy's got the, the history, Joe. That's the kind of thing. I know, I know. Scott Wright's history is of being shit. <laughs> and I've, I've only got evidence of Inconsistent. Five, um, well, <laughs> his first season he was good and then he fell off a cliff and he continued falling off that cliff for about two years. <laughs> At least two years, maybe even three. So yeah, I'm, I, I, Jamie Murphy's got the back catalogue. Uh, Scott Wright does not. Right, uh, my number 10. If, you, if you're arguing about this one, you're going to fucking love this. My number 10 is Matty Kennedy of Aberdeen. Oh, I Matty Kennedy was on my long list, and another player I just another player who's not had a good season. But right, so look at it this way: we've both got David Witherspoon. Before this campaign, would you have had Matty Kennedy above David Witherspoon? 
I'm going to go with yes. I think it's yes. I think the answer <laughs> should definitely be yes. Yeah, yeah. I was just, I was, I was going back to last season and yes, I, I, absolutely, absolutely. Matty Kennedy is, uh, was, when he was at St. Johnson, one of the players you, you wanted to sign. Again, this is, this is, we, uh, <laughs> So let me just stick up with the, the problem with Kennedy this season is that he's been playing as wing back quite a lot. He's not a wing back. This is an appropriate time to to bring up the uh, the Aberdeen fan that tweeted us about. Yeah. Um, I was just I was every time I seen I was like I can't be I'm too tired to to reply. But it was it was I can kind of understand where he came from. I thought your re- reply was fine for me. I, I'll admit it's like Aberdeen. I found Aberdeen players hard to pick. Just because they have just found Aberdeen a real struggle, a real grind, and I think it was if they've probably finished fourth and done what they've done, just because they kind of ground out on a more collective rather than individualistic uh, yeah. kind of basis. I also so, think yeah, as Matt, well, he was saying like before. Obviously, it's six points now, but there were only three behind Hibs. Uh, yeah. and should Jack Ross be questions asked about Jack Ross? I think questions should definitely be asked about Jack Ross that they'll only finish six, they're only going to move, finish six points ahead of Aberdeen, maybe even three, depending on what happens this weekend. Because I think that Hibs, especially in the second half of the campaign, are a much better squad than Aberdeen's. Mm. I think the reason why Hibs have only finished so, I think Hibs should have finished well ahead of them. And the reason why is that for whatever reason, Jack Ross and this Hibs team have been unable to get themselves up for a lot of routine games at home that they really should have won. They've dropped a ridiculous amount of points at Easter Road this season. If they hadn't done that, then they could have been putting pressure on Celtic. And judging by the way they play away from home, maybe they should have been. Yeah, I mean... The, maybe the, there, has a, there is a sense of underachievement maybe at Hibs this season. Obviously, that will completely go to the window if they win the Scottish Cup and nobody will give a fuck. But uh, I, I think it's not something that I, I think has really been a problem throughout Ross's career, as far as I'm aware. But for whatever reason, this season, that they, they dropped a lot of points at home that they really shouldn't have done. But I think, I think they have the better team and I think they have better players. Yeah, so the, the, the players they have, I think, uh, on an individual basis are uh, more, more eye-catching. But yeah, yeah. Matty, Matty Kennedy, I again is someone someone I really like, and someone I think Stephen Glass can, if depending on how he's going to play, if he can get the best, it was uh, if he can get Matty Kennedy in a position when he's going impact uh, impact games, he's got a he can got a big match winning player there. Yeah, the, the the occasions where he has been able to play in a more advanced position, I think, has been his best performances of the season because he's he's just being a wing back doesn't suit him. That being said. And this this played a lot into my factor because I was blown away by this. These are the these are all the stats where Matty Kennedy ranks in the top five of all the guys that I looked at. So I looked at thirty players. Goals per ninety, shooting percentage, crosses per ninety, crossing percentage, dribbles per ninety, progressive runs, attacking duels one, attacking duel percentage. Impressive. Top five for all of them, uh, especially crosses. It's like tough set. Of, uh, to be second in crosses per 90 and have a second best crossing percentage that's just great like that's 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 doing it very often and being very good at it he's uh, one thing he could have really could have hampered him uh, I might have even had a buy list but he's not created a lot of chances but it was the same for it was the same for Johnny Hayes uh, I think it was it wasn't even that great for Ryan Hedges and I think it's just been hard to create chances for this Aberdeen team this season yeah that, that I think that is that is fair Uh just really had like Cosgrove sometimes I just find he just found him uh, he could be ponderous 
and he had uh, he, he had really is a, as an attacking midfielder. You don't want the striker you're aiming at to be ponderous. Yeah, he had one foot at the door. Uh, Callum Hendry's been all right. Hornby's been rubbish. Uh, Cam Berry's been pretty rubbish as well. Um, Watkins was was decent enough, but didn't play very often. Uh, so yeah, they've not had the problems to seek an attack this year, and I think that's that's hampered some of the attacking midfielders. And I want to get and I want to could have showed up well and I nearly stuck on the top 12. Uh, that would have been intrigued to see that. And Niall McGinn hasn't had as bad a season, I think, as advertised. Because uh, despite what I said... Is, with, with McGinn, I've uh, seen kind of looking at looking at the stats and yeah, I was I was, I was a, more impressed with uh, the stats than I've been off, uh, off him. And I think it's the eye test. I think he is really... I, I don't really don't think he's had a great season. Aye, and he's the only, only until well. Glass came in, as Glasses came in, that he's looked a bit better. And the problem again compared to the other guys, the other kind of free attacking midfielder from Aberdeen who would have come into consideration for this list is that McGinn, when he's not played well, kind of looks like he can't be arsed most of the time. There's a there's a couple of games I've tuned into where we watched with Aberdeen where McGinn has just been just been anonymous. It's not like he's what he's trying to do is uh, is being poor. It's just that he's not done anything. Go, going back to Kennedy, they're just looking on the transfer market and they they're just looking at the. He's played 36 matches and they've looked at the positions he's played. He's played seven different positions. <laughs> so I think I think he's essentially he's played uh so I would probably say six because they've got him down as playing a centre midfield once, and I don't think that's the case. Uh so basically left wing back, right back, right wing back, left wing, right wing, centre forward, tacking mid. <laughs> it's not conducive. It's not really conducive to good play, consistent play across the season. Right, uh, you've got Wotherspoon as your number 10. My number nine is Chris Burke. Uh, so I'm going to do it again, uh, as I've done with the last one. Uh, so I'm going to go again. Top five statistics of all the players I looked at where Chris Burke ranks in the top five. Goals per 90, uh, shooting percentage, crosses per 90 is number one for that. Uh, dribble, uh, dribbles per 90 is fourth, dribble percentage is second. Uh, attack and duels one, fifth. Uh, attack and duel percentage is third. And he also barely... Have, uh, Barely ever gives the ball his way as well for a winger. So, yeah, just he's. I think so. People, just, just if, if you're thinking about Burke, maybe why he shouldn't be on the list is because I think a lot this season he's dropped out of the team, uh, got to the bench. But maybe that is just to save his legs because he is 37. Because when he's on the park, he does play very well. Just on, when you were reading off the stats, just on that, I went. I was looking at who, uh, who like who's. I got a lot of my uh, stats for him, but who scored, and uh, he was top 20 out of the whole league. So not just uh, wingers, just top 20 out of the whole league for, uh, I think, goals, assists, shots per game, key passes, dribbles, crosses. Yeah, he's still very good. 37. And, but th- th- that is one where, when you actually watch, like sometimes when you look at Sachs, it can't surprise you, but there's, there's one where he is someone where you go, yeah, I get that because a lot of things especially when he plays and when Lafayette wasn't there a lot of things just kind of go towards him at Kelly because they don't have a consistent player in the final third that he is the most reliable and best quality in the in the final third you can make the argument for uh, Greg Kelly as well Right who's your number nine? So obviously my my, my uh, ratings are going to be skewed because I've got more Rangers players. So yours, uh, the names I'm going to uh, say are probably bumped up two or three places for you. But my number nine is Ryan Hedges. Ryan Hedges. I've got Hedges number eight, so we can just both talk about him now. Go. Uh, Hedges. Somebody who's a bit more, uh, so I've been very stat heavy a bit so far, but so, uh, Hedges is more a kind of eye test player for me. I really enjoy watching <laughs> yeah. him play. Um, 
Yeah. He's, he's, I enjoyed watching him play last season. I'm pretty sure that we both had him. Or at least I definitely had him in the top 12, uh, sneaking in there, I think, at either 12 or 11. And that was after he'd kind of fallen out the Aberdeen team. But I thought, I, I liked him as a player. I liked his ability to, the, the fact that he was quick, the fact that he could beat players, he had a really nice touch, he could score goals. He, he was just a good player to watch. And I'm surprised that McInnes didn't really use him. And even at the start of this season, I think it was, was it the third so the fourth game, there was that awful match against St. Johnson uh, where, he, where he came off the bench. and uh, yeah, it was at uh, McDermott's. Yeah, scored the goal. It was a deflection. Second, but he, second, second game of the season. I think, aye, but if you include their European games, I think he oh, was... Okay, yeah, sorry. I think it was maybe their, their fourth and he'd been on the bench and he'd obviously had fallen out of the team the season prior and it was looking like he was going to the same. McInnes threw him on in that game. He, and he, while the goal was a, a bit of a, a, a fluke, he, he kind of made it happen by being a bit the only player in the Aberdeen team who was happy to get the ball and run at the opposition. And that then kind of led to the goal. And from there, he never really looked back. He was a, a perfect fit for the kind of the two number 10 spots, his, his ability to, to do everything that I mentioned. And also as well, just kind of really good technical footballer as well. Somebody could could link seamlessly with those around him. He dovetailed very well with Scott Wright. That and them three and Watkins together, I thought, had the makings of a really good uh, front three. And it's a shame they only really lasted for two months because they were great to watch together. You can maybe say they were lacking an out-and-out goal scorer, but I think you've got enough there that had they played over the the campaign together. Because Hedges, of course, got a big injury as well and Mm -hmm. were right leaving for Aberdeen. Had they played together over the course of the campaign, while you're not going to get any of those guys scoring 20 goals, I think they could have had 30 between them. And then that's enough to, to probably fire you to... To third place, and and yeah, he's just. I'm interested to see what will come of him uh, next season, depending on what Glass wants. Will he will he go back to just being a winger? Uh, will he will he go fully number ten? It'll be interesting to find out. Weirdly, I quite liked him as the when he played uh, kind of more. I was, it was probably right midfielder, but kind of right wing back. I quite liked him in that position. Probably liked him in that position more than I did Matty Kennedy. Yeah, just because in when he played, he played on the right, and he was just cutting in. So he was just he was just cutting in and becoming like a kind of auxiliary ten when he moved forward. But he just he's a player who I think made Aberdeen a better team uh, collectively and a better team, better team to watch. You look at he uh, most of his start like his big run of games. There was uh, when Aberdeen I think went fourteen games unbeaten. Uh, sorry, not fourteen games, one loss and uh, one loss in fourteen, and he was uh, he was prominent. Uh, prominent in that and like I said he's eye test but he's really really good to watch I think uh, I think there's a lot there to to work with he's got he's someone who can uh, like come in onto his left foot he can shoot he can tr- uh, play those reverse passes he can combine uh, he, he's got a lot going for him Okay who's your number eight? My number eight before my list gets very boring <laughs> is <laughs> Is Jamie McGrath. Uh, he's my number seven. So we're matching up here. Then, then, then my list is going to get very boring. <laughs> Jamie McGrath is... Uh, talked about Chris Burke as an all-rounder, but he is... Uh, he is uh, just a, a talisman for uh, for St. Mirren. Because we, we did talk about having him as a centre midfielder or a uh, attacking midfielder. And yeah. you can understand why teams have been linked with him already. I was, when he first, he, he was, a, was he a January arrival last yes. season. And initially he thought there's 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 a player there just uh, inconsistent. But I think the the longer he's been at St. Mirren, the 
better he's got, the bit more. Uh, the more games he's been able to put together, performance he's been put uh, been able to put together. He's the type of player who is is great because he's quite combative. He wins fouls, which is said uh, it's always good for uh, in a way for an attacking midfielder. Uh, he creates chances, scores ten. Well, I mean, he scored ten goals, albeit seven of those are from the from the penalty spots. He's only have to tuck them away. So have to tuck them away. Uh, he's he's a good dribbler. He can cross and he can pass. It's, he, he can do a bit of everything, and his versatility is um, it is another huge positive. We support a team that's barely had a reliable penalty taker since Andres Velichka, so we can certainly attest to the need for a, a yes, a, absolutely, absolutely for a, for a good penalty taker. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the penalties do skew it a bit, but it's still impressive that if all the players, uh, all, all like including all the old form guys, he is, he is number one for, for goals per ninety minutes. Uh, and where do you think his best position is? I think it probably is as a number ten, uh, rather than because he often plays as an eight. Yeah. Well, he's kind of he's done both this season because Simiran have Simiran have, have kind of tinkered with their formation quite a lot. So they've had some games where they've had Jake Dohays and J and Ethan Erehon as a midfield two with. McGrath ahead of them. They've also had it. What they've done a bit more recently is Jake Dohays as a defensive, like designated defensive midfielder, Erehon and McGrath as a two with McGrath yeah. giving a bit more freedom to go forward. Uh, but I do think that he's probably just a little bit more suited to uh, a number ten. The reason for that is because one kind of aspect of his game that he maybe misses a little bit in terms is kind of doing a lot of running with the ball and kind of progressing the ball up the park. And I think as a number eight, it's kind of handy to have that as a mm-hmm. kind of real skill. As a number 10, it doesn't really matter as much. Uh, and because he's, he doesn't necessarily do that as as often as maybe you would maybe want him to, then I think it kind of suits him more to just be that kind of number 10. And plus, he's, test- he's, he's shooting ability. You want him kind of closer to goal. Yeah. I think it's testament that he started this season mainly as a winger. And... Jim Goodwin is he kind of tinkered with his side after, especially they went on that uh, that run. I think September, September, October time where they were just uh, losing every game. That he tinkered with his side, tweaked it, and he was moved in the, in the center and almost given more responsibility. Yeah, and I think he's, he's he's someone who's picked up on that. Right, so he was my number seven as well. So who's your number seven? It's when your list gets. Boring. <laughs> well, both of us gets boring because mine, mine's just boring for this point forward as well. <laughs> My number seven is Scott Arfield. So the reason I've got him, um, the reason he's kind of just middling is because what we've talked about, the fact that yeah, I know you don't have him on your list, is that we weren't sure if he was a serving fielder or an attacking midfielder. To judge him as an attacking midfielder would maybe even put him outside of the list. Because if he was yeah. playing, because if he was so, playing as a number ten for a lot of clubs in this country, I don't think he'd look anywhere near as good as he does for Rangers. Yeah, solely as a, solely as an attacking midfielder, he doesn't have the doesn't have a lot of qualities. He's, he's only really skilled as an attacking midfielder is that he's he's a really good goal threat. Yes, that, that that's it. That's it. He's 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 really he is a really good vertical player, and I think, but you can't underestimate that at Rangers when they are playing against packed defences and when sometimes when they've struggled uh, kind of not so much uh, recently but times where they struggled to break teams down he and Jerrers look to change up whether he's uh, made changes for like the following week game or coming off the bench Scott Arfield is someone you look to because he is he offers that verticality where he'll want to run beyond 
and run like there's Rangers have got a lot of players who want the ball, like want to come short for the ball and want to run with the ball. Scott Arfield's happy not looking for the ball and running beyond without the ball, which is uh, which is actually ma- which is massive because it kind of creates create space, it stretches the game and also creates chaos as well because defenders don't like um like kind of players putting them off or running running beyond them. The fact that he's got like he out of the out of all midfielders is the most touches per game in the opposition box uh kind of says a lot. Five assists as well. Yeah, he's yeah. I think I've pretty much said all there is. Uh, we, we, we had him in the wrong position. <laughs> yeah, he's a number eight. Right. Uh, right on to my number six. So okay, this is when I go old form uh, exclusive. I did. I did throw a record. I had when I had Boyle on my list. I had Boyle at number two. Mm. So. I was I was ready to to make it a bit more interesting, but then I had to remove Boyle, and then it just became for that point forward, it just became all Celtic Rangers. Yeah, so Boyle Boyle would have uh, I was I was hanging back with Boyle until we until we fully decided, and Boyle he would have had to be at least top three. Yeah, uh, just an incredible season, an incredible development in his career, really, uh, for the man who was swapped for Alex Harris, and I don't even think he was. Was he even that young, like that at the time? I don't think he was. 24, maybe? <laughs> yeah, it's just wild. <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. He's like your career development, but fair play to the guy. Right, uh, so anyway, I don't I don't have Martin Boyle, so we should probably stop talking about him. And number six, I have, and this is my, f- I really don't know how happy I am about this one. There's two I'm really not happy about, and I'm going to get some stick, especially since Rangers fans... You're fucking Rangers fans have turned into Celtic fans. Now that they're top of the pile, any any slight on their player, and they fucking come at you, calling you a clown, calling you a weapon, <laughs> just because what was that clown of weapon? Because I had Christopher Iyer above uh, F- Philip Hollander. Like one I, place, uh, one place as well. <laughs> I have. I think I've I've got one one decision that might hurt them, but just because I really like this player. So uh, here's 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 the first one that I'm going to hurt them with. At number six, I have Yanis Hadji. Oh, <laughs> see, yeah, that's that. That's, that is good, Arkham. <laughs> I thought my Yaris Hadji one was good, Arkham, but no, that's that's good, Arkham. Um, I mean, Hadji's very good. <laughs> um, the reason Hadji is number right. Should I have him? Should I have him? So, with, should I have I, him I, one? I, there's one place I'm, I'm not really prepared to put him any higher than fifth in my list but it's, it's the guy I've got ahead of him that really is not sitting well with me and I can happily stop these about but I'm going to go with Hadji 6 because of the fact that the player ahead of him I really like the kind of work he does off the ball and I like the fact that whenever he's he, he's not really contributed much to the game in attacking sense you know he's there and he's still impacted the game and he still gives something for opponents to think about I think Hadji sometimes can just consistency is really a problem with Hadji and I think sometimes he can just completely drift out of matches and really not do much at all. Uh, he is, incredibly, I, I didn't realise this until this week, I, I, I don't know why, but I thought he was in his mid-20s. He's only 22. He was 21 at the start of the season. So, I mean, those are things that he will improve on, you would think. And with the other things he does well, I mean, he, he's also as well, he, he takes a lot of kind of shots from distance when he maybe shouldn't have done. Now, there's a player we're going to get to very soon who definitely does that too often, but again, I'll defend that when it comes to it. But he's, somebody, he's still a very creative player, somebody who could score goals, somebody who could create goals, and just a, a really kind of good number 10. And I would I would also like to see him 
I'd like to see what he looks like as a proper number 10, not as part of a kind of double pivot number 10 that Rangers have going on, just to see what he'd be like in, in, in that kind of lone central position where mm-hmm. a lot of the responsibility is on you. Because I think I have a feeling he'd maybe be better than that. Okay. <laughs> I've, I've, I've got, I've got, had you, I've got, I had you, uh, a, a wee bit higher. Okay. Right. <laughs> Pray for my mentions. Who's <laughs> your number six? So this is the, this is probably the main one I deliberated over. And I'm still deliberating over. I, number six is Joe Aribo. Oh, right. Uh, I've got him higher. Uh, not ridiculously higher, but higher. Joe Aribo is someone, again, he is someone I like a lot, but he is a player who leaves me wanting more. Yeah, that's probably fair. Um, I think between the two of them, I mean, there's a chance I just mixed up my list as well, just so it was the uh, Celtic guy did like two Rangers guys in a row. Um, But Aribo, I think when it comes to him and Hadji, it's hard to kind of separate them too much. And the reason I went for a Rebo higher is because I just kind of I prefer watching a Rebo to Haji. I'm a Rebo guy. Mm. I I enjoy enjoy watching them watching them both. But with, with a Rebo, I just I, I actually think so. With with Haji, I think he is. I know you mentioned his age. Uh, I think he is probably more complete at the moment. Well, he's got uh, many more levels to go, and I know Rebo is. Is twenty four. It's turning twenty five this uh, this year actually. But there's just there's always this when I'm watching. It's like you should be dominating games in in in, in the Scottish Premiership. You should be scoring. Um, no, he's just short just short of ten goals this season. You should be like seven in the league. You should be scoring more. You should be scoring more. I mean, the game. What was the game? Dun United four one one against Dun United. He was just genuine, just genuine class that game where he. You'd get the ball, confidence. You would create space for our, uh, create create space for himself with the ball. You'd create space for teammates. It was such a danger in front of goal, scored an absolute cracker. And it was just this real. When he got into the final third, there was just this real positivity and kind of determination to actually do something with it. Whereas there's, at times. I feel what sometimes he gets. I understand Rangers fans, especially Rangers fans, we watch him very closely, especially with a tactical sense, will come back and say he perhaps does this, 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 and this off the ball, or as as passing opens up different passing lanes or stuff like that. But just on the just kind of on the basic of um, just on uh, kind of straightforward is that there is there's games where. He should play that 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 killer ball. He should score that goal. He should get the ball and just you know what? Uh, basically, it's like you know what? Fuck you, whoever's playing, <laughs> whoever's playing, uh, whoever is his opponent. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna take you for uh, take you for a ride for ninety minutes. That's what he should be doing, and that's why I've I've, I've got him slightly down. Again, he's, he's I mean, there's a lot of players on this this list. I enjoy watching. He is he is definitely one of them. Right, so. My number five is Ryan Christie. And I could, I could have had him sixth. So the my my kind of four four, five, and six were how I uh were kind of deliberation. I, I put 
I've got Christie just slightly higher. Right. So what number was, was this number five? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've got one, one one place higher. I just. Uh, but you 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 talked uh, talked about Christie. <laughs> well, we're at the number uh, we're at the number five spot. But I feel like I should talk about, talk about why he's, why he's only five because I'm pretty sure I had him like number one last season. Yeah, um, he's frustrating. Fuck no half. Um, Ryan Christie, he must be about the like for for such an elite player. He must be like the most sorry. He must be the least efficient elite player in the Scottish Premiership this season. The amount of shots he takes for distance that that and I think he scored like. Twice, uh, the fact that he, he's crossing this season has been rubbish. He's dribbling, he, he, trying to go past opponents. He's been rubbish at that. Uh, he's, he's he's lost the like he he tries to do a lot with the ball, so he loses it a lot. The, the saving grace for him is that he works so tremendously hard off the ball, and he's a very good technical player. But he's had a horrible campaign uh, for, for his standards. I mean, you'd still love him if he played for. Well, pretty much anybody else other than Celtic or Rangers, but at that standard that he has to be at, he, he has had a dreadful campaign. He's had a, he's definitely had a worse campaign than Hadji. Uh, the reason he's a, the reason only reason I put my head Hadji in my list is that he's, I, it's just kind of again, it's the, it's the bigger, more credit in the bank, a bigger sample size. Uh, the, the fact that even this season, despite the fact he's not had a very good season for for Celtic, he's had a very good season for Scotland. Also went in my thinking as well. Uh, but obviously, we know that Christie's a very good player. It's just. A bewilderingly bad campaign, and for me, him and Callum McGregor are almost the poster boys for how badly Celtic have, have coached their players this season. Yeah, yeah, I, I get it. I, just, I still think so Celtic fans and you may disagree. You've got to, you kind of got to have them in your team, and I know that's probably lessened because of the rise of David Turnbull. But you look look at Christie, and I, I, I just think he is he just a uh, a class act, and I do think S is just a blip. This season's a blip, and again going by his standard, because you look at someone who's in all competitions, he's uh, if he scores on the last day of the season, he's still uh, a double double in terms of goals and assists, which is uh, which is still pretty productive for a. Uh, uh, for any attacking midfielder, even if play for uh, Rangers and Celtic, but yeah, similar to a reboot, he's just like wanting a bit more. Reason I've got him, the reason he's 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 a wee bit higher is just because, like I said, he's got that credit in the bank. Right. Um, so that was my number five. Who's your number five? Well, this is again the, probably probably a harsh decision. Um, you even had him with six at one point was James Forrest. I've got him higher. Again. But the only... So it's, the, been, it's been similar whenever we do this. I, I always kind of go more... I always kind of lean more on kind of credit the bank, sample yeah, yeah. size, previous seasons kind of thing. Um, Yeah, because Forrest has obviously missed a lot of the season. That's it. That's it. James Forrest has missed a lot of the season. You know, in a way, you could argue that he could easily be two or uh, one just because his... Uh, without Forrest, it's kind of just showing how shit uh, Celtic. I know, I know they they were they had their struggles with Forrest, but uh, you, you can't tell they missed him massively. Yeah, um, massively, aye, undoubtedly. And the fact that they never replaced them all season uh, again ghosted how badly Celtic have, have managed their, their squad this campaign. Uh, never even brought in another right winger at any point. <laughs> Pretty much missed the entire campaign. I think in the 
I think what we've seen from him, the flashes, he still looks like he, the player he was last year. And the player he was last year was somebody that could do everything. You know, scored loads yeah. of goals. Uh, somebody who, was, who never had the final ball, who, who managed to become suddenly very good at crossing the ball. Uh, somebody who's great at running with it. Somebody who works well, who works hard defensively. Uh, barely gives the ball away. Uh, um, probably the best player in the league. Uh, well, him and Boyle, best player in the league at beating opponents one-on-one. Uh, just a, a, a terrific all-round attacking midfielder thought of as a winger but he's just become so much more than that in, in the last two, three seasons the only, the only kind of knock on Forrest I would always give is that he just randomly has games where he just doesn't show up at all like uh, the, the 2019 Scottish Cup final being the prime example of that the game against Hearts where Hearts fans say Aaron Hickey had them in his back pocket Aaron Hickey didn't really have to do anything Forrest just wasn't really interested in getting involved and he just from time to time it doesn't matter the occasion it could be a, it could be a big game it could, be a, it could be a team against nobody he just goes missing for a lot of it and it's just it's just a bit bizarre it doesn't happen very often you know as you can see by just the kind of raw numbers but it's yeah it's, it's something that's always I find a bit perplexing about Forrest the last couple of years but I've, I've basically it, my selection for Forrest I've got him higher it's a leap of faith like that he's, he's just as good as he was last year and he's not going to have adverse effects uh, over this injury this could easily make me look stupid if he comes back next year and he, he's lost a yard and he, he's just not quite the same player because he is about 30 now as well he is he turns he turns 30 in July yeah so it's kind of it's it's not a very good time to have a long term injury so just just looking at it, he's played he started 12 games a season Celtic lost once of what one of those yeah one of those four games he's he, he started um, actually just to, to, to ignore that he, he's played he's played sixteen times a season and he, they've only lost that Rangers game and that so, Rangers, I mean, and that Rangers game I mean he didn't have a good game but I mean Rangers Stephen and he just came back from well, boys because uh, he'd come back from an ankle injury and he was out the Aberdeen game before I think yeah he was out okay, a couple of games before that he did. Uh, the tightness in his back and his hamstrings kind of thing I think that's kind of inactivity for, for so long yeah. Um, but yeah I mean, I mean aye, I'm still going to I'm still going to bet that he's going to be very very good next year one thing you should, we should say with, the, with these um, like top 12 we got into the kind of got into the top 6 uh, kind of for me 3 to 6 interchangeable there's like minuscule a minuscule difference if someone came back to me and was like uh, Joe you nothing you know nothing what you're dead no absolutely nothing uh, he should be able to be off him I was like yeah that's fair I'm not going to argue with that yeah 6-3 to three for me were interchangeable so my number 4 was Ryan Christie but we've talked about him right your number 4 is Ryan Christie my number 3 sorry my number 4 was Joe Rebo Um Sorry, my, my number four was Joe Reba. Your number four was Ryan Christie. My number three was James Forrest. Your number three? Yanis Hadji. Right, so we both got the same number two, I'm going to presume. David Turnbull. Yes. Yes. David Turnbull's just magic, eh? <laughs> so, yeah. so pleased that he went to Celtic, even after being a, a year out of the side. Didn't look particularly great in my little start. He looked decent, looked decent enough. Uh, but you didn't think that Oh, he's going to go to Celtic. He's going to rip it up. And obviously, Lennon took ages to give him a fucking chance. And uh, it was just great to see him getting the chance and then uh, just being brilliant every single week, up until kind of recently when he's kind of he's fallen off a bit. But I think that's just to do with the malaise at Celtic in general. It is very rare that you find a player who plays for one of the provincial clubs where Celtic, Celtic range of signed him. You think, yes, you can build a team around him. 
Yeah, but I think you can build a team around uh, David Turnbull. His intelligence, his vision is just, just, just incredible. And I really, as a as a Scottish football fan, uh, keen to see what you do with a competent Celtic team. Yes, I kind of give them the keys keys to the midfield of a, a competent Celtic team with a competent manager, a competent board uh, who make um, competent decisions. The best in the league at shot assists. Well, the best of the, uh, of all the player, all the attacking midfielders at shot assists. Yeah. Second for through balls, uh, second for shots attempted. Takes a lot of shots for distance, but it's actually shoot percentage is pretty decent. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's not like like it's uh, is it Callum McGregor has got like a terrible. Uh, percentage for the season of shots because he shoots for outside the box all the time and barely any of them are on target but Turnbull even though he shoots for distance tends to at least make the goalie work and just, it, uh, just such a, a creative tour de force yes he, the, the thing for the, the aspect of uh, Turnbull ga- uh, Turnbull games Turnbull's game that I really enjoy is his ability to drop a pass over the fence just to like, see a player making that run again like Seeing what he would have been able to do with Forrest uh, over a long, long period of time, Forrest running, running in off that right hand side, uh, could had the kind of promise to be de- devastating, and he's just he, he just sees passes way before, way before others, and way before anyone can react, and it's just uh, it's kind of it's just great to see, and really looking forward to uh, for his integration into the Scotland team. Right, number one. Ryan Kent. Yes, that was that was an easy that, that was genuinely an easy decision. I just I just wrote Ryan Kent one number one and then uh, f- then stressed over the rest. Uh, just the, the, I mean, I said that Forrest and and um, well, in terms of actually beating players, uh, maybe I Forrest and, and, and <clears throat> Forrest and Boyle, or maybe maybe uh, I think they beat they beat players in a specific way. Yeah, they, like they're just, probably best at taking on a fullback and beating that fullback. Yeah, Ryan Kent is is so. But when you're talking about running with the football, Ryan Kent's maybe the best at running with the football. And the way that he can just slalom his body around the park, like he, he doesn't run in straight lines. Yeah, he runs in a curve. He's, it, it, you know, you know, he's he's the complete opposite to is Ollie Park. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Ollie, Ollie Park just, just runs in straight lines, whereas Ryan Kent actually knows how to turn. And, and turn all the time, like, and he just bends himself around defenders all the time. Like, the, run, the runs he makes off the ball as well are, are, are so impressive. Ollie, Ollie Burke's ankles are made of concrete, and Kent's are like flubber. <laughs> yes, very well put. Yeah, exceptional talent. Uh, nominated for Player of the Year this campaign, uh, deservedly so. And also as well, like something else that really stuck out for me. For somebody who plays as a, a left-sided of a front three uh, of all the kind of players I looked at, which includes guys who could just be a bit more safe over the ball, he he was fourth overall in terms of how few times he gives the ball away. And I was like, that's mental. Because, like, these guys are supposed to give the ball away. Guys like him are supposed to because they're supposed to try and make stuff happen. It's not always going to come off. It just means that when he tries to make things happen. It just happens. <laughs> it doesn't go to the opposition. It just it just occurs. With with Ken as what's going to the the attacking point I was I was going to make, but with uh, with Ken, you have to kind of credit his off um oh yeah, sorry. Uh, 
before we get to that, but Ken, I think he did have a dip uh, during the season, but uh, that was it was like a very small dip, and he bookended it with um, with two very large books uh, of just. Uh, <laughs> With, with just just productivity and being such a an, an asset to Rangers, the but with Kent off the ball, I think he, he does a great job as well. I think he has he's, he's developed that uh, that mean streak, and I, I I mean you wouldn't I don't think you could play for Steven Gerrard without working your arse off and doing what you need to off off the ball. Uh, you think okay, Kent could maybe get a bit of leeway, but I don't think he, he takes that. I think he works. Um, he works for for the team with the ball and and with without it. You think he could? Uh, he's, he's the type of player that that could be greedy, but he, and, and he really isn't. He, he, he creates chances. He scores goals himself. Again, he, he is he is the type of player who should be scoring at least at least ten goals and uh, making ten assists a, a season. And he and he's done that. Uh, because last season we had, there was a big debate about his, his, his lack of assists and his lack of uh, lack of numbers. He, he's done that and he's put the the enjoyment you get watching him can uh, into into actions. I, I always compared him to uh, at, at Barry. McK- there was a there was there was something about Barry McKay about him and that mind seeing that video when um, McKay played uh, uh, probably his best season for Rangers where he created all these chances. That they just they just squandered, and you just think uh, you could have finished with like fifteen assists, but uh, you're you're playing with dumplings, and you got that feeling it sometimes with with, with Kent, where um, he, he he was just getting into he was getting into great positions, he was he was doing so much, but this season he's just gone up another level. Right, so here's our final top twelve. Now I've removed Scott Wright, but I've kept Arfield. Okay, just so Arfield could go somewhere. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, but we, just, we should just we should just do a, a middling list. Just one Scott Arfield. That's fine. <laughs> In a position of his own, Scott Arfield. <laughs> number eight. To be, be fair, he could be high of a list of number eights who we've counted as attacking midfielders because they played a lot as attacking midfielders for this season, uh, but probably aren't attacking midfielders. So it'd be Scott Arfield, Ross Callahan, and Scott Pittman. Yes. Yeah. Those were the ones. Those were the ones I considered, but I just like could, just couldn't make the list. Yeah. Uh, so right, I've got the twelve. So that means I've got a twelve, Matty Kennedy. At eleven, David Witherspoon. At ten, Chris Burke. At nine, Scott Arfield. At eight, Ryan Hedges. At seven, Jamie McGrath. And this is where it really became hard to try and separate them. At six, <laughs> at six, Joe Rebo. At five, Ryan Christie. At four, Yanis Hadji. At three, James Forrest. At two, David Turbo. And number one, Ryan Kent. Any, oh. Anything to argue with there? No, I, I, I'm, I'm very laid back when it comes to this, but my Rangers fans, when they see two Celtic players in the, in the top three, <laughs> raging. They will be. They will be. They are, they are the new Celtic. Whenever a team is on top, that's when you become the most paranoid. That's when you, yep. you react to the slightest of things that you think is maybe slagging off your club. It happened with Hearts as well. The, the time the Hearts fans were the biggest conspiracy theorist was 2005-06. It's like when you're on top, you, you, you can't think that everybody's coming for you and you just naturally get paranoid. So Rangers fans, Rangers fans had a sense of humour for years. That sense of humour's gone. Celtic fans have got a sense of humour now. Mm. <laughs> mm. They're growing it. It's growing. Yeah. It takes time. 
at the same time. A couple of more years like this one, and they definitely will have a sense of humour. <laughs> it's maybe just it's maybe just my when I say they've got a sense of humour. It's, it's obviously I'm talking about Twitter. Like I'm not I'm not reacting with like well obviously I'm barely reacting with anybody. It's fucking lockdown. Like, but I'm not like basing this off of kind of pe- meeting people person to person. But I wonder if it's just to do with the fact that tweets tweets self-deprecating tweets and tweets slagging off your club in a funny way are the ones that are going to get the most numbers and probably going to do the widest circulation. So that's that's kind of where my where my kind of theory comes from. So it's not really based in real life, but it's certainly on, on Twitter. And it's, it's, I mean, let's not just dismiss it. Scottish football Twitter is it's a real place. <laughs> it's a real place with some opinions and, and some characters. Uh, and it, it just seems to me that Rangers could have had, of the old form, Rangers had the sense of humour and Celtic were just so kind of so serious and ready to jump at anything that, that, that dared question their might. And it's just starting to change a little, this campaign. Well, we'll get we'll get to see um, we'll get to that Ranger side uh, when when you pop this uh, this top twelve <laughs> list and then and then tweet out the list as well. You can put on no comments, can't you? On Twitter, yeah, you can. Yeah, you yeah, can. yeah I might do that. Right, thank yeah, you. I mean, they can still comment and follow follow chef. <laughs> as long as they're listening, <laughs> I'll be using my burner account for that. <laughs> Right, thank you very much for joining me, Joel. Thank you to everybody for listening. If you're if you're thinking, right, hey guys, I would quite like to to hear about the the midweek games in the Premiership because there was a lot going on there. Hamilton Aki's basically relegated for the top flight for the first time since they were promoted in 2014. Hibs clinching uh, third place. Uh, Kilmarnock moving into the relegation spot in an absolutely bampop game uh, against St Mirren at Rugby Park. If you want to hear about all that, we've got that. We've got that coming up later tonight. It's going to be Graham and Tom are going to be looking through the, the midweek fixtures. That'll be available on the Patreon for £2, £2 a month tier. Yeah, that'll be up later tonight. But that's not all. That is not all. If you're also thinking, well, what about the, the playoffs in the lower leagues? There's lots happening in the lower leagues. We, need, we surely need to focus on that as well. We've got that covered as well. Craig Telfer, Sean McGuigan and Fraser Clark will be joining forces together to talk through the, what's happening in, in, the, in the lower leagues basically since across the weekend and into midweek. And You'll need to start listening to that as soon as it goes up for you to be able to finish before the, the next lot of playoffs start. Yes, I'm, I'm going to put that out on Friday morning and that'll be on our £5 a month tier. Uh, so if you want to listen to both those, it's patreon.com forward slash tennis podcast. And that's us. It's coming up for the final weekend of the season. Joe, are you th- are you saying thank fuck that it's almost over? <laughs> oh yeah, man, I'm just I'm done with it. Done with this season. Done with the season. Hibs are about to win the fucking Scottish Cup. I am fully, fully done with this. <laughs> I'm actually start, starting to get kind of back in again. There was a real lull there where I was fed up with football. Like... Just had enough, like sick of watching on the, the house and that. But I think the fact that it's coming to summer, the fact that it's, yeah. it's business end, there's a lot of big games going on. Yeah, yeah don't get me wrong. The fact that when I got told that I'm going to the Hamilton Kelly at the weekend, got a wee buzz about that. It's going to be good. So it's, there's a, ga- a game that's got something uh, something riding on it. The playoff matches, I'm trying to get tuned into all of those because they are the uh, um, playoff fun, the playoffs. They, they, the commentators will say, oh, they're always nervy affairs. No, they just, I, I will just enjoy them. Uh, although, although I'm not going to turn, I'm not going to tune into Dundee Rafe Rovers on Saturday night because that is done. Uh, after, uh, so when do the next kind of loosen the restrictions come down? Is it the fifteenth? It is on Monday. Oh, it's Monday. 
Uh, currently, are you are you allowed? Are you legally allowed to give somebody a lift? Not sure. <laughs> and that's the end of the show. Thank you very much for listening. We'll talk to you later. Goodbye. <laughs> Podcast Network.